Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hello, Sean. How do you do, sir? Oh, I do. I do, I do. All right, that's uh, that's that's terrific. I'm happy to hear that, as we are in the midst of a beautiful spring here in the nation's capital. Scott, we wanted to get away a little bit this week from the bubble and everything going on in the bubble. Certainly a lot of excitement out in Calgary, but we wanted to focus on something that we've talked about on the show over the last year, and that is diversity within curling and what we have talked about in the past, maybe the the lack of diversity, because in the past month, Curling Canada has released a new series of initiatives dedicated to diversity and inclusivity at the recreational level, or at least starting at the recreational level within curling in Canada. And we wanted to talk about this because this is the type of thing that we have frankly been looking for for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we talked about it a lot last summer. And, it, you know, the, the bubble sort of has, has taken momentum away from it like uh like for us but it shouldn't and so yeah, yeah when we saw this new initiative being put out by curling canada it really piqued my interest for sure yours too sean and we wanted to learn a little bit more about it where it came from and uh sort of where the 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 tools came from to foster more diversity within our curling community yeah, so we reached out to Curling Canada and we were lucky enough to have Catherine Henderson, the CEO of Curling Canada, come on to talk about this resource guide. The, the guide has a lot of different sections to it, everything from just highlighting the importance of diversity, things like unconscious bias, efforts that you can put forward, initiatives that you can put forward at the local level to get a more diverse crowd into your curling facility and there's a lot of great stuff here from Curling Canada. So Catherine was nice enough to come on to discuss these programs with us. So let's get right to our conversation, Catherine Henderson. All right, uh, Catherine Henderson joining us, CEO of Curling Canada. Kathy, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join us in the midst of what I know is a very busy time for everybody at Curling Canada managing the bubble and uh, worrying about Olympic spots and, and all that kind of stuff. So we appreciate you taking the time, but this is a very important topic that we have talked about on the show a little bit. So I, I, just to start, could you talk about the process of putting together this initiative or these initiatives on diversity and inclusivity and how long this process took for Curling Canada to come out with this? Well, you know, I mean, I think that's one of those questions that's similar to how long is a piece of string? Uh, when you know, we, let's start really at the very beginning. When I arrived at at Curling Canada, there's lots of really um, wonderful, really smart staff here who'd already figured out that just even from a business perspective, that if we were going to continue to grow the sport and appeal to Canadians, that one of the most important things that we were going to have to do is begin to reach out to people who were just arriving in the country or maybe had grown up in households that uh, were not familiar with curling. Maybe they had, you know, they come from families without ice or snow in their home countries, that sort of thing. So 
there's been a lot of work done, I would say, um, from a very business perspective over a number of years. And, um, you know, and, and it really started with a, a program we have called Rocks and Rings, which we do in partnership with Chad McMullen at Rock Solid Productions. And it's a, it's a program that we invest quite heavily in. And what we do is we make sure that it's, it's, um, it's a program that goes into schools so that we are covering a quarter of a million school children every year and introducing them to the sport on the gym floor. And then um, we've got a number of programs that try and move them over to the ice. So that, you know, just recognizing um, that Curling Canada has for many years been trying to reach out to anyone that's interested in curling. Um, The second part that I I do want to say is, you know, curling has a very long history of being very inclusive. So it's one of the very few gender balanced sports in, in, uh, in Canada uh, in terms of participation, fandom, uh, investment in athletes, uh, so we, you know, we've got gender balance. It's highly we adapt it for anyone that wants to play. So if you're no longer able to get into the hack, people stick curl. If you want to curl, uh, or you know, you want to curl, um, you know, in in multiple different ways. If you want to curl and you're hearing impaired or sight impaired, we have ways of adapting the sport for you. Uh, we've got uh, you can curl from a wheelchair. Uh, so for many, many years. And then the other part of curling in Canada is that organically and naturally. Uh, curling, uh, because it's often played in leagues and people with similar interests, people would group around and 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 you know they play in teacher leagues or they play in um, leagues of people that were Korean Canadian like that that sort of thing or you know police leagues, and so we have a long history of creating spaces and places for people that want to play. I'm going to take a pause there and say because I can get into the much more specific things that we were doing. Uh, over the last over the last little while. Okay. Well, okay? well, it's interesting to me to think about the diverse side of it that that you mentioned because you know Scott and I we play at the Ottawa Curling Club. They host the Vision Impaired National Championship each year, which is a, a really wonderful event. Uh, I've played against a wheelchair team before, not not frequently, but but at a spiel, I have played against a wheelchair team. I do think that overall the sport is welcoming, and, and we've talked on the show before. I think the LGBTQ plus community is a great example yes. of that. There's so many leagues across the country. So for Curling Canada, it, it's interesting to me to, to listen to all of the different ways that you want to make the sport accessible because it kind of leads to the really broad question of how does Curling Canada define diversity and a diverse group of participants and fans? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I think that's a wonderful question. And thanks for asking it because it, it leads into many of the things that we ended up getting very intentional about over the last little while. But I, you know, I, I would start off by saying of all the people that I've met in curling, you know, everyone's welcome. We're always trying to figure out, you know, how do we get little rockers, you know, young people to play? How do you get teenagers to play? Uh, and so it's not just the, the 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 ways that we adapt the sport and that we adapt the implements and we adapt the the rules uh, to play. Um, we also we create different um, disciplines and different variants and things like that. So that the whole idea is, uh, if you want to play in a mixed team, you want to play on um, you know a, a, you want to play uh, doubles, you want to play with young people. We can figure that out with you. And so uh, it's. One of the most community-based sports in which the conversation about, you know, who wants to curl 
is just forefront. And, and there's always people innovating and always people trying to think about how do we bring in as many people as we can possibly. I think, though, you know, as we, as it, you know, it started probably last March, April, May, as we started to look at the Black Lives Matter movement, we started to look at other people putting their hands up and saying, you know, in, in everything in my life, um, I'm feeling that there are things that are holding me back from opportunities that maybe I'd like to pursue or that uh, they're not visible to me. And so, you know, those are hard things to listen to. And I think particularly if you're a sport that prides yourself in doing all of these things, you know, you have to sort of stop, put, push the pause button and say, are we in any way stopping anyone from coming into this sport unintentionally? I've never seen anyone intentionally do it, but are there unintentional things that we are doing right now? And that's where we decided to 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 push the pause button and bring in people. Um, and when I say diversity, we had people from our wheelchair curling programs and people from our, our LGBTQ+. Um, we had people... Uh, that played at the community level and in the clubs. We had national team athletes. Um, we had, uh, you know, curlers. We had black curlers. Um, we had, you know, we just had our Asian curlers. We had a whole bunch of people. And the whole idea was um, um, a couple of things. First of all, what we really didn't want to do is just start, you know, checking boxes and, 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 and going, yep, all right, you know, we'll get on that, is to really not just listen to... Um, um, you know, it was kind of what, not what they wanted out of the sport is, you know, what, what could we be doing better? Who were we missing? What are the things that we should be thinking about? Where could we rethink how we approach, uh, you know, new, new Canadians or people new to the sport? And also, uh, you know, a really important part of that to us was, um, and what's your experience been? You know, how are you as somebody that maybe doesn't look like what people imagine the typical curler to look like? Um, you know, what what has been your experience and, and where are places that are difficult in the whole experience of curling? And I can give you, you know, I can give you examples of those sorts of things. But um, uh, really what we wanted was a pretty profound conversation at the beginning rather than, you know, sort of taking statistics and, developing marketing plans, it was to say, you know, maybe we need a bit of therapy, you know, maybe we're delusional and think that we, you know, we're so welcoming and maybe we're not. And part of it was to take people that we, um, that many of them put their hand up and said, I'd love to talk to you about that. And they told us some stories and, and some of those stories were disturbing to us. Right. And, and we've talked to players on the show last summer, certainly where you get into the case of, you know, some of the stories certainly were just outright, they, they felt unwelcome at places, but in other cases, it is sort of that unconscious thing. And, and Scott, what do you think in terms of what, what Kathy's saying based on our conversations that we had last year with players about that unconscious bias and starting those discussions? Yeah, I think a, a lot of good work has been put in, in, in this, uh, resource guide, uh, that curling Canada's put out to address a lot of the questions that, uh, that I had about, uh, about creating a more welcoming and, and engaging facility, uh, for new Canadians, for all, all sorts of people. Um, one question I had for you, Catherine was, uh, there's talk in this document here about maybe some financial programs that clubs can set up to mm -hmm. 
you know, put money aside for new leagues and stuff. Is there any, uh, any, any curling Canada support that can like financial support that can come yep. to that? Uh, yeah, we, well, there's a couple things that we do. Uh, so first of all, thank you for reading that. That was a, a real labor of love for a couple of people on our staff who listened so hard to these conversations and decided, if, you know, the, the least we could do at this point, and we're doing lots more, but the least we could do is to provide clubs with great resources to help them think through the same problems that, that, that we were thinking through, which is really to make curling a sport for everyone that wants to join. And one of the things that you are right, when you talk about barriers to entry, as in many sports, sometimes the barriers are financial. And I'll give you a really interesting example. I don't know if there's a, there's a very large study that was done with, um, it was, it was uh, with refugees and, 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 you know, kind of people that have arrived on our doors and often in emergency situations. And there was two, there was two points in that study. One is uh, for the children, the best way they, they can possibly integrate um, with this sort of healthiest outcomes is to start playing sports with other kids because there's it's kind of an international language around playing, you know, soccer, let's say, well, I'll just use that one. There. Um, um, so, you know, you, you integrate kids and they fit in better. Uh, they feel parts of teams. Uh, they start to learn some customs and languages and things like that, but they're all playing the same sport, which everyone plays around the world. Well, the second point of the study was when you talk to the parents and you say to them, you know, it's a really good idea to get your children involved. They're saying like, I'm so, you know, I, I, I'm making these words up, but you know, my priorities at this Thing is getting a roof over my head and getting some food on the table and I don't really have time to be thinking about you know curling clubs and transportation and leagues and you know and 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 reading safety manuals and all those sorts of things in a language that may not be familiar with me so there's these huge barriers that actually are keeping kids new to Canada away from sport that really have nothing to do with the joy of sport or their you know their, their you know, they, they feel welcome. They want to be on the field, but there's just other priorities in, 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 in their lives. So one of the things that we had been talking about is, first of all, this Rocks and Rings program is just get into the school and, and let's not have to rely on parents. Like, let's bring this, you know, kind of bring the mountain to Muhammad, if you will. Uh, and then the second the second part is, and if there are financial barriers, let's make sure that there's a couple things. One is we do have some programming. Uh, it tends to be for youth. Um and uh, we, we just talk to clubs individually. But the other thing we promote is there's quite a bit of programming out in the communities and, uh, and the people that work on these. Um, we have a, um, a kind of a, a charitable arm and we do quite a bit of raising. It's called For the Love of Curling. And uh, it's, it's meant for junior programming. And the woman that runs it, Brody uh, Bazinet, um, is very savvy on these things. So anyone can contact her and she can generally help them figure out. Uh, how to how to access sport, uh, and in particular how to access curling for young people. Well, it's interesting to think of that too in terms of the barriers to entry that you're talking about, getting young people into the facility, and how much do you think? Because this has been a discussion that has gone on for a while within the curling community, the business model of curling in Canada is you sign up in the fall for yeah. 20 weeks or 24 weeks, whatever it is until the spring, you play yeah. usually with the same folks the whole time. So you have to have a team and be on a team yeah. to sign up. Some clubs will, will put you with somebody if you sign up as a single, but generally speaking, you're signing up for the whole winter at once and yeah. with, with the same team the whole time. So how much of the just business model of this creates a barrier and what do you think facilities can do? Because I really do think
facilities across the country are going to have to start to get creative. And you're starting to see it a little bit in, in some places. So, you know, what, what sort of ideas do you think uh, Curling Canada has, has put forth just in that barrier of that major time commitment that you have to make to play usually? Yeah, well, you know, we have a, you know, I call him the curling savant. It's uh, Danny Lamoureux, who we, um, who, who works on our staff, and he really understands this whole conundrum very well. And you know, we, we offer really a, an array of solutions, but I think the first, the first solution you need is you need a club with an open mind that says, "I'm thinking forward." And you know, sometimes it's hard to do when you've got full leagues, you know, morning, noon, and night, and you've got a waiting list. You're not really thinking about whether there's barriers to entry and that sort of thing. Um, but for many clubs, what they're really starting to see is that there's a real demographic shift around them. And they're starting to wonder, how do we bring people in and how do we create that sort of traction with our club? And, you know, people people are different now than they were, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And um, they're a bit more itinerant. People move around a bit more. They, they hate year-long contracts. Everybody's you know, doesn't want to lock into their you know, their telco provider and their, you know, like they're, you know, they want to, they just want, you know, they, they want service when they want it. And, and so uh, we've seen some pretty innovative clubs that have started to allow drop-ins and uh, try curling. Um, one of the things that, that we have developed at Curling Canada, and it's been hugely successful and we can target it in almost any way is we've developed kind of a social media campaign that's hyper, hyper, hyper local. And we will work with individual clubs and say, you know, if they say, I've got an adult league on Tuesdays, um, then we say to them, well, tell us a bit more about your demographic and who in your demographic would that appeal to? And we can help them do reach outs. And we're finding that we are getting kind of a, let's try curling. Um, we're getting people on the ice two, three, four, five times greater than what they uh, what the club can normally achieve through their regular uh, type of advertising. And then we put together a program. It's an adult learn to curl, but we also have a, a children's version of it called Curling 101 that we see very high conversion rates. If you get people in the club, you, you get them to have fun, show them what it's all about, and then you put them into one of these programs, what you see is very high conversion rates to people saying, I'd really like to join a league. And what you have to do with the club then is you have to have a club that's ready and willing to be flexible to say, I'm going to accept a whole group of people right now into my club that may not want to sign up for a 24-week season or um, you know, they may not know other people in the club. So the club's got to do a lot of heavy lifting, um, I think. And a big part of this, you know, when you were talking about the diversity resources, uh, I, I would say some of this was very much born of the fact that I think curlers have told themselves for years, and I believe it to be true. If you go into any club, you are more than welcome. And 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 I'd put my hand over my heart and say that's pretty well true of any curling club I've ever walked into. The issue is it's it's getting through the door. You know, it, you know, we we you know, I probably shouldn't even say curling clubs. We we like to call them curling centers. Mm -hmm. um, the word club sort of implies, you know, some people are in, some people are out. Um, you walk in, um, it, it's it's hard to say, oh, this is a this is a private club. This is something that uh, members, I, I maybe I need to know somebody. You know, you just don't, uh, um, you know, people just don't wander into curling clubs very often. There, there's a process that you have to go through to sort of step through the door. And once you're in there, the people are amazing and they're wonderful and they welcome you. And I, I belong to a couple of curling clubs in my life and I found that, um, I found that very much. But, um, but it's, it's hard to, 
get to the door, I think, for some people. And that's where we need to be all the clubs and the member associations and curling candidate need to be out in the community more, showing people how to, you know, how to street curl and how to curl on the gym floor and how much fun all these things are and create fans through our through our um, our broadcasts and then work with the clubs to say, you know, there's a ton of people out there that want the same experience as the people that are on the inside. Let's figure out how to give that to them. That's a really good point because one of the barriers is that you need the, to be in that facility. And, and I'm with you. I've tried to stop using the word clubs on the show too. Uh, curling facilities, curling centers, whatever it is. Because, uh, yeah, it does create a more inclusive space. But, yeah, when you're going up against potentially soccer or basketball, like a basketball, yeah. you put up a hoop, you you play. You, you got a ball yeah. and a grass, you can play. You need to get people in the facility in some way and something to draw them there. Because, Scott, we know that whenever people show up, they really tend to have a good time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one of the other things about uh, curling clubs that can be daunting to somebody is when you go in, a lot of them are are sort of adorned with a Scottish theme or something that could be really foreign to a new Canadian who's coming in and, and looking to find inclusion, right? So it, just even the, the physical appearance of the of the facility can create a barrier to entry. So a lot of great options uh, that we've talked about today and a lot more to be found in the in the literature here too. Yeah. So just uh, one other thing I want to talk about quickly is is the representation that we see on TV. I like to talk about the Vic essay uh, and whether or mm-hmm. not, how, do we meet the Vic essay standard? And, you know, sometimes I think the Vic essay is a little over the top and I don't know if we necessarily meet that standard. So how, how do we filter this through? And, and in all the discussions that were had at Curling Canada, how much did representation at the highest level, at the Briar, at the Scotties, come up? And we see it in the commercials. I, I think the commercials that Curling Canada has produced are great. I love the one this year of the little girl who's watching Carrie Anderson win with the, yeah. the toilet paper. Like Those type of commercials are really great. Uh, but, but how much of the discussions were related to representation at that highest level? And how long do you think it'll take until what we see at the Briar and the Scotties really fully represents the communities that we live in uh, across the country? Sure. That's a wonderful question. That's kind of the question. Um, well, first of all, I would say if you take a look at us at the highest level, I would say visually you may not see uh, a population of national team athletes that look like, you know, the demographics that, you know, they, they, uh, uh, that represent the face of Canada, I guess, if you will. Um, we do have a number of diverse athletes, though. I mean, we have athletes from all different communities uh, that that participate in our in our in our national teams, um, from our indigenous communities and from our LGBTQ um, uh, two plus communities and from our Asian communities. That being said, uh, I will tell you when I when I go, I go I get the opportunity at times to see very junior things. I see the U18s and the U21s, and I would say when I go to those, I have a tremendous amount of hope that over the next five to eight years, as we're pulling those next generation athletes, those athletes that we think could make the podium, um, you know, in the next five to eight years, that, um, you know, that, 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 that uh, Team Canada, our national team program, will really start to reflect who, um, you know, who we are really as a nation. Uh, it's, but it's not going to happen right now. 
I, you know, I would challenge anyone to go and look at our Little Rock programs and, and things, you know, around the country and, you know, and, and who's, who's playing, you know, who's playing on the gym floor. And you'd say, you know, I'm definitely, definitely seeing what Canada looks like at that very junior level. Um, in terms of, you know, the representation piece, I think it's really critically important, um, you know, and, and every one of us has something, you know, when we aspire to something, we look for people like us. And, you know, this isn't to talk about me, but when I was a younger executive and I wanted to work in sports, I was looking for female executives that worked in sports. I, I wanted to say, you know, what's your experience be? And I, and I really wanted to be able to see that. Um, and so some of the things that we, I, I think we are doing a lot better at is very consciously saying, rather than just sort of picking standard stock curling photos that express joy and you know, the, the, the love of sport and everything, let's make sure that those pictures accurately reflect who Canadians are and, and, and who we would like to see reflected in our sport. And so we've done a lot of things like that. I want to give a shout out to uh, Kruger. Those are the, the Kruger Paper Company. They're the ones that actually did that wonderful commercial and it was done for the Scotties. Um, and it's a little girl sort of dreaming about winning a Scotties one day. And and, you know, I really applaud them because, you know, they want to see that too. And they've been wonderful partners over the last number of years. But I would say, you know, to, to a partner, every one of them wants to see the sport thrive. And, you know, I, I would, the things that we're talking about right now, on one hand, I'd say, let's do them, everybody, because they're absolutely and utterly the right thing to do. And then I have a side of me that says, and I'm a business person, and let's do all those things because right. as a business choice, it's integral that if you want to grow the sport you better be appealing because i'll tell you the soccers and the baseballs and the you know the snowboarding and all the other sports they're competing with us they want those same kids too so we better be a pretty appealing sport and kids better be able to look at us and say i see myself playing that sport um there's nothing intimidating about it and clubs need to be able to say you know this is a whole younger group of people that are coming in and they have different expectations and I need to be able to adapt my business model to people that are going to be paying the bills at, at this, at this place over the next, you know, 30 or 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's important for us to say, right, that this is not just something that came up just because of the state of the world. It came up because it needed to come up Yeah. and, uh, there's great, great resources for all the clubs that are looking for things to do. Uh, and yeah, we should look at this as a long-term a strategy rather than a short-term band-aid solution. Yeah, no, absolutely. Although, you know, and, and thank you for that. I mean, I think there are things that we can do in the short term that make people feel more included. And I, I think, you you know, that's when you're improving mm -hmm. things on the margins, but when you really want to make full scale change, what you're talking about, uh, Sean and Scott are the things that, you know, is, is really taking the long, long look at this and say, you know, who are we as a sport? Who do we want to be? How do we get there? And, uh, and then you, you, you work hand in hand. We've got wonderful member, member associations and great curling facilities and everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants, um, everybody wants as many people as possible to enjoy the sport. And we're just going to, we're going to help them so that we can all continue to, you know, to play and, and love it and have a lot of fun. Catherine, is there any last thing that you want to say about this? I think uh, we've done a pretty good job, but if you can sum it up uh, in a couple well, of words. You know, I, I, I think the things that we've done over the last little while, I would call them first steps. Uh, uh, we have grandiose ambitions, um, and, and, and I, I'm fully confident that we've got the people and the resources and the will to get there. 
um, you know, I think the things that you and I uh, are, are talking about right now and some of those resources, they're absolutely essential first steps. But I would say, you know, having conversation and being really open and really listening to what people are telling you that they want from the sport is much more important than me trying to sell you on what I think is great about the sport from my perspective, because it may not be great to you from your perspective. Uh, so I think as a curling community, what we need to do is to take a look at those people um, that you know we wish to join us in all the fun and all the camaraderie and all the all the wonderful experiences they have and spend that time listening to say, you know, what, what do you want out of this and, and how can we help you get there? The, the last thing for me and uh, Kathy, cause I, I do know you, you have to go. Uh, it just had to do with gender parity in the sport and the Scotties and the Briar purses now being the, the same. Do you think that we are at a point at the elite level where we've, we've seen gender parity and moving forward that the men and the women are on the same footing? I, I would say absolutely. And, and, and I've said this before, you know, um, uh, you know, again, on one hand, equal work, equal pay. So, you know, we needed to get there. The, on the other hand, though, when um, we sat down and looked at this as a business strategy, when I sat down with the team and everyone agreed with this is um, let's make sure that the so the women's the women's the Scotties uh, Tournament of Hearts right now is not only the largest female sporting event in Canada, it is also one of the largest sporting events in Canada. And that's really where the investment was. And I look at, you know, we have a number of season of champion events and I look at it as a business person, as portfolio management as well. So I say, you know, let's do the right thing first and foremost, but secondly, who doesn't want two really great products that the public loves and they want to buy tickets and they want to watch it on television and sponsors love it. Um, who who doesn't want two? <laughs> you know, if you could have two, why would you yeah. settle with one? So it, you know, to me, goosing the uh, goosing the women's game and putting those investments behind it just to grow it to the point where it was, it's it's an equal in size event in 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 pretty well most ways, um, uh, was was a, a great business choice as well as being the right thing to do. Yeah, and I know it's my favorite event of the year. For sure, yeah. like, that's my number one. I, I love the love the Scotties uh, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so Kathy, where can people go to find more information about the diversity and inclusivity initiatives? And uh, just if they want to bring these into their own curling facilities, into their own communities, where can people go to get more information? Well, please go on to curling.ca, uh, and all the information that you want is there. It doesn't matter whether you're affiliated with us or not. We want every single facility in Canada to take these things. Uh, and and to you know pass them along and to uh, and and to use them you know we really want more people coming into the sport and we want to you know we and so we're providing materials and you know helping people help themselves but um, but they're available to anyone so look on curling.ca and look under our diversity and inclusive inclusion initiatives and all the materials all the resources all the kits all the posters all the social media things it's all there for you and please take them and use them. All right. So I encourage everybody to check that out. Catherine Henderson, CEO of Curling Canada. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great. Thank you very much, Scott and Sean. Much appreciated. So there you have it. Our discussion with Catherine Henderson, CEO of Curling Canada. Of course, we thank her for her time, Scott. I thought that was great. And you've read the diversity inclusivity initiatives. I've gone through them as well. I'm very impressed with the documentation here. And I'm really impressed that these are not just 
words and like checking boxes, like Catherine said, there are very specific targeted things that we can implement at the local level. Even if you're just a once a week player, there are things in here that, that you can do that hopefully over time will will start to improve the diversity of the sport, make it a welcoming place and allow for the sport to reflect, truly reflect the Canadian population. Yeah, Sean, like you said, these are concrete actions that you can take. They're not just words. So going through the the guide, you know, uh, like you say, there's some words about unconscious bias, but then also a lesson to click through and, and go to uh, do a little more work on how you might be unconsciously biased. I, I think we all have some unconscious bias and that's why it's unconscious. Um, that there's, there's like a lot of work that was put into this, some, some really good concrete actions. The, it answers pretty much all my questions, right? I asked <laughs> Catherine about, yeah. you know, financial aid for clubs looking for it. There is a, some options available. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really, really impressed. Now what's, gonna be needed to do is is to have members out there who's most of the people listening to put pressure on their boards to take advantage of of these uh tools right and and really make sure that they're put to use that they don't just become words that they stay as something that's really uh concrete usable and you know we'll see in five ten years how much they were able to succeed or not and that that'll be incumbent on the clubs and the boards themselves yeah absolutely and you know as kathy talked about a little bit this is business too right i mean the country is diverse and to run a successful business the i think the business side of it would benefit from it and as i said as we were talking to her from the elite level standpoint you want to keep winning gold medals or you want to keep winning world championship, you have to draw from as large a talent pool as possible. So these initiatives are, are really wonderful for, for every level, from the rec level all the way up to the elite level. So do check those out. As Kathy said, head on over to curling.ca. You can find all the material over there. So uh, again, we, we thank you for your time and encourage everybody to check that out. Even if you're not in Canada, the, there are things that you can do. These are not just Canadian specific things. Some of the funding might be, but the actual programming, the ideas in there, these are pretty universal to the sport everywhere. So even though it is, yes, a Curling Canada program, certainly material out there for non-Canadians as well. Yeah. And I, I would say not even specific to curling, right? If you yeah. are, are any kind of community leader, I think you could benefit from uh, taking a read through that. Absolutely. So that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Do the likes, the ratings, comments, helps beat the algorithm, helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. You can also follow along on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram or at Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook where On Friday, April the 9th, we will be doing a Men's World Championship pod stack after the last round robin game. Scott, we will know who's going to the Olympics. Wow. Looking forward to that. And we might know like three of the actual teams. 
three, yeah. maybe four of the teams. Yeah, maybe four. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, so that, that should be a lot of fun. So join us over there. Uh, if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com and head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus the merch, which will have proceeds going to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation for the new merch t-shirt proceeds going to Food Banks Canada. Scott, you want in this week. And having all the proceeds donated. Sorry, Sean, you cut out there a bit, and I'm not making a joke. You really did, but uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I, the the funds for this week will be downloaded by the time, or downloaded will be uh, submitted once people are listening to this podcast. Awesome. So that you know what that means. We need to donate more stuff. So head on over to GameOfStonesPod.com merch for the donations. But as we always say, if you just want to give a donation to someone without buying something, then we're not going to complain. We're not going to argue with you on that. So uh, so there you go. That'll do it for us. Scott, thank you for joining as always. Thanks, Sean. Fun. What do you got on tap now? Well, like you say, it's a beautiful day. I might, uh, I might just go sit outside. All right. Look at the, look at the world going by. Okay. Well, uh, enjoy yourself. I think I might head out as well as we get set for the rest of the men's world championship. We'll be back with you on Sunday night to talk about all of the fun and frivolity. We'll have a world champion on Sunday night. We will be here to talk about everything that happened over the course of the week. So join us then. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice. Don't dump that intern. Make the final...